begin reading at verse 1 to verse 12. We come to our final beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We're using a pew Bible that can be found on page 962. Let us now hear God's word. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As far as the reading of God's word, let's ask his blessing in a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we pray that you would bless your people, that you would shower us with your spirit and your spirit's blessing to understand what Jesus teaches the church of Jesus Christ and how to apply this word to our lives, to the glory of your name. We pray, O Lord, that you would feed us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Congregation of Christ, we come to the eighth and final beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This beatitude is lengthier than the previous ones because Jesus provides depth to its meaning and interpretation. He provides encouragement to those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He provides comfort and encouragement to the church who suffer for his name. In the previous beatitude, Jesus declares, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. If you're a peacemaker, and every Christian is a peacemaker, you're going to experience and know tension and conflict. There's a reason why peacemaker is then followed by, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because the peacemaker seeks to make peace to do away with the enmity or hostility that are between two individuals, or perhaps bring the gospel to peoples who do not know Christ and who are at enmity with God. They come as a peacemaker to show people the way to peace with God through Christ and His cross. Because the cross is what brings peace between God and man, that The cross heals the enmity, the hostility between God and man. And now Jesus 
says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because if you want to be a peacemaker, get ready to experience persecution. If you want to live your life for Jesus and the truth, let us be prepared to face the consequence. But Jesus beautifully, wonderfully, compassionately brings great comfort to this beatitude as he goes deeper into its meaning. Let's first look at, as we consider, blessed are those who are persecuted. First look at the character of the persecuted. Who are these persecuted ones? Who are they? Literally, it can be, blessed are those having been persecuted for righteousness' sake. They have been persecuted. Happy are those who have been persecuted, or you can actually translate it, put to flight and harassed. So you think of someone who is being harassed, insulted, which then leads to them being put to flight, escaping, running away. Happy are those who are put to flight for righteousness' sake. They possess a character that's contrary to the world. In fact, hated by the world. Who are these blessed ones? Who are these persecuted ones? What kind of character do the persecuted ones possess? Well, sometimes when you want to understand the meaning of something, it's good to understand what it doesn't mean, to bring it more fully uh, understandable to the mind and heart. So the beatitude doesn't mean this. The persecuted one is not one who is blessed because he has a good outward character only. He just shows a good moralism. He's good for goodness' sake. He isn't blessed because he shows goodness or kindness to other human beings. Those external virtues can be common. Now, note external outward virtues can be common among believers and unbelievers. People are going to be nice during Christmas time. They're going to be good for goodness sake. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Are they persecuted because they have an outward, external, moral, good character? I mean, think about it. People do philanthropy. Unbelievers and believers both do philanthropy work. You have the Red Cross. Whenever there's disasters, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, you name it, people are going to come together in the nation and do good for other human beings. And you'll find that unbelievers will not persecute those who do good in that way. Well, it also doesn't mean that the persecuted are blessed because they suffer as political activists. I'm a Christian, but I go out and am an activist for the Republican or Democrat or independent parties. 
I go out and I share conservative ideas and values, and I get persecuted for that. Is that what Jesus is talking about here? Because what is common there between believers and unbelievers, both can hold a Republican, conservative world and life view. They can hold the same political view. Is that what Jesus is talking about here? How about those who suffer for economic reasons? Do not Christians and non-Christians suffer economically? Don't they suffer under tyrants in government alike? Is that what Jesus is talking about here? Did not the Jews and the Christians both suffer under Nero and Rome? That's what it does not mean. So what does Jesus refer to when he says, blessed are those having been persecuted for righteousness' sake? Note, for righteousness' sake. What's unique and distinct about the Christian's character that separates him or her from the world and causes unbelievers to persecute them? Well, they are persecuted for righteousness' sake, and this means that Christians suffer injury and insult because they follow Christ the Lord. They believe the truth of God's Word. If you take two people who do a work among a community, believer and unbeliever, and they both have the same goal in doing good to their neighbor, and they're working harmoniously with one another. But what happens, what happens when the believer says, we do this for Christ and his glory and his name? Wait a second. Wait a second. Now there is friction. Now there is enmity. We were doing fine when we were working hand in hand in doing good things to our neighbor. But when you evoked Christ's name, when you do it in the name of Christ and for his glory, in the name of God, we got a problem with that. Many of you heard that there's a new speaker of the house, Mike Johnson from Louisiana. He's a Christian and he makes no excuses. It was fine that he was elected Speaker of the House until he called upon the name of the Lord in his speech. He evoked Christ's name, that is for Christ's glory, Christ's namesake. And then there were problems. Jesus warned his disciples and the people to count the cost. We hear Jesus say this often, count the cost. You make profession of faith, count the cost. You want to be a Christian, count the cost. If you desire to follow Jesus, count the cost because his name is a great offense to the world. 
and it could be a great offense in the home. His cross and resurrection is a great offense to the world. Even the mention of Christ and his saving work divides and evokes a great hatred from the world because they hate him and love darkness. They love sin, plain and simple. Jesus says in John 15, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Because you have the same worldview, you think the way they think, you act the way they act, you do everything that the world does, you abide by the world and their philosophy and their way of life. They're not going to have a problem with you. But, Jesus says, because you are not of the world, you've been called out of the world by the grace of God and the Spirit of God. You've been called out of the darkness, called out of the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are different. You and I are different, Christian. We are citizens of the kingdom. And because you are citizens of the kingdom, the world hates you. Jesus says, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Speaking to his disciples. If you're a Christian and you desire to live a godly life or a righteous life in the Lord, to live by the truth, to follow Jesus, to give testimony to his name, to glorify God, expect to be persecuted. As Paul tells Timothy, those who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. If you're a Christian, don't be surprised when the world hates you and me because they first and foremost hate Jesus. Let us try to wrap our minds around that for a moment. Because the world hates him, Jesus. The one who is the second person of the blessed Holy Trinity. The one who assumed a human nature. The one who teaches the way to God. The one who brings peace the one who brings forgiveness, the one who is mercy, this is the one they hate. How? Well, look in your own heart. You see, we can easily point at them. What about me? Why have I been so blessed? To receive such grace when I was at enmity with God. And now for the sake of Christ and his name, I want to deny self and magnify his name because it's ultimately about Jesus. The Bible and church history have many examples of believers suffering for righteousness' sake. You have Moses and the prophets 
suffering for righteousness' sake. And we see that in verse 12, verse C. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Peter, Paul, Stephen suffered for preaching and teaching the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. All of these biblical examples teach us the way of the cross. Take up your cross and follow me, says Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. This means suffering for righteousness' sake. And indeed, Jesus is our greatest and superior example of this, of being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Christian, congregation, don't be skittish to talk about Jesus as example. Yes, he is Lord and Savior. Yes, by his righteousness alone, we are made right with God through faith in his name. Yes, only Jesus paid the penalty of our sin and made atonement for our sin. But Jesus is also our example in how to live our lives for righteousness' sake. To live in his righteousness and not my own. This is the character of the blessed, the character of the persecuted one. Secondly, the persecutors of the righteous. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When Jesus taught his disciples, do you think they knew the full extent of what Jesus was saying here? Do you think they knew the extent to which they would suffer for the sake of Christ. They didn't know the blowback that they would receive from the world, especially especially their own kinsmen, their own people. Because interestingly, the persecutors of the righteous typically come from within. Paul, Peter, the rest of the apostles suffered persecution at the hands of their own people, those who received covenant promises, received Old Testament law, the law of Moses, and denied the Christ and went after Christ and the apostles. It came from within, from their own kinsmen. And you look at church history. Where did the assaults come from? Typically, from within, with heresies, with schisms, with attacks against those who stood up and said, this is not the teaching of the word of God. This is not the teaching of righteousness. You have forsaken the true word of God and the true gospel. And because... Men and women stood firm in the faith. They were persecuted for righteousness' sake. Let's not be deceived deceived to think that this suffering of persecution comes from only without, that is from the world, outside the walls of the church. No, it comes from within too. What will these persecutors do? They will revile you. That is, they will curse you. 
insult you, blame you. Actually, there's an idiom that's attached to this. And the idiom is this, to cast in someone's teeth. To cast in someone's teeth. It was used in the ancient world to punish harshly. I'm going to... I'm going to I'm going to cast something in someone's teeth. That means I'm going to go punish them. Inflict harm upon them. And it had this idea of knocking out someone's teeth with punishment. These persecutors will revile you. They will try to shut you up. Shut me up. They will try to close doors of churches. They will try to shut pastors. They will try to put pastors behind prison doors, bars. They will try to restrict your right to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. They will try to knock out your teeth. Not only that, but they will persecute you. And the word here, persecute, has the idea of hunting down. They will not only revile you, knock out your teeth, but they will hunt you down to try to capture you as a hunter is hunting for deer in deer season today. They will hunt the prey. Isn't that what Saul of Tarsus did, who we call Paul? It's very astonishing, isn't it, that as we read this, we see Paul in these words. Paul reviled. Paul hunted down. Was he far from God's arm of grace and mercy? No. God loved him, chose him, and saved him. And call him to be a preacher, to then suffer for the name of Christ for righteousness' sake. So they will revile you, they will, they will persecute you, hunt you down like you are game, and they'll bear false witness against Christians so that they are condemned for their beliefs. You will be on trial, he says. They will do and say anything to discredit Christ and his followers. Jesus says in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and gentle or innocent as doves. Snakes are smart. They sense danger. They know how to protect themselves. Be smart like a serpent. But... Here's the paradox. Be innocent as doves. As doves just fly in the air innocently, really entrusting themselves to the grace of God that they're still alive and not being eaten by prey. We, on the one hand, are to be wise as serpents, to be smart, not put ourselves in positions because of ignorance or stupidity. But we are also to entrust ourselves in the mercy and grace of God And then when persecution comes, I lay myself before Jesus and say, Lord, do with me as you please. 
and help me to suffer well to your glory and honor. Jesus foretold that the persecutors of, of the righteous will come from within. He says, brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child and children will rise against parents and have been put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The persecutors of the righteous come from within and from without. And then later, Jesus would foretell of his death at the hands of persecutors because he is the righteous one who laid down his life for our sins and to deliver us from God's wrath, to save us from the tyranny of the devil. Jesus beautifully expands upon this beatitude and the persecutors of the righteous when he says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we see this throughout history. When God sent prophets who spoke his word, the righteousness of God proclaimed, and the prophets were hated by their own. Let us not be surprised if this should happen to us. Lastly, the promise of Christ. We heard of the character of the persecuted. We heard of the persecutors of the righteous. Christ now promised such a great encouragement and comfort to those who are persecuted. Think about that for a moment. You are suffering great harm and insult and danger, but you're blessed. Can the world understand this? I think as Christians, we don't understand this. We experience one little ounce of persecution, which probably may not even be persecution, and we cry foul. Jesus promises the kingdom of heaven belongs to the persecuted ones now, for theirs is the kingdom of of heaven. He goes back to the first beatitude. Look with me at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We have a bookends. Begins with the promise of being heirs and uh, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. You belong to the kingdom. And he concludes the beatitudes with, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You, Christian, belong to Christ and his kingdom. It is yours even now as you suffer for the sake of his name. And our brothers and sisters in the world who face the fiercest fight against persecution in foreign lands, our citizens of God's kingdom, they cling to the promise of Christ. We cling to the promise of Christ. They are the church militant. We are the church militant. We fight the good fight of faith against all those who are enemies of the cross, who hate Christ. Their hope and our hope, the hope of those who are being persecuted, the hope of those who might be or will be persecuted, is in the heavenly reward to all who persevere in faith by the grace of God. Yes, perseverance of faith is God's grace at work. 
the peace and joy of Christ in the lives of the persecuted Christians is truly remarkable. Truly remarkable. And the words of Jesus ring true to the hearts of all those who suffer in Christ. Rejoice and be glad, because blessed are you. Rejoice and be glad. We need to appropriate Jesus' words in our lives, in our faith. If I, if I could broaden the, the theme of suffering, just in general, when we suffer for any reason, for any reason, can we say that it is well with my soul? Can I rejoice and be glad? Because God promised me, and I use me deliberately. Have you personalized this? God promised me an inheritance. He promised me that I belong to his kingdom. He promised me that there is a reward for me in heaven that Christ purchased, that Christ merited so that the reward that I receive is not one from works, but one of God's grace. God's grace that Christ merited or earned for me in his cross, in his death and resurrection, and in his ascension to the right hand of the Father. And so I need to preach to myself, Christian, preach to yourself in your suffering and in your persecution for righteousness' sake. Rejoice and be glad, Christian. Rejoice and be glad. What did the Christians do, the early church do? What did the apostles do after they came out of prison? They rejoiced and were glad that they suffered for the sake of what? His name. His name. They didn't go and get an attorney. They didn't go and... Try to file a lawsuit. They didn't go and start to do a political activism. They went to the brothers and sisters and they all rejoiced together. Because this is what the church of Jesus Christ is. Because if we truly believe in the providence of God and the sovereignty of God, we would confess and believe that everything comes from his fatherly hand. And if it comes from his fatherly hand, we know that we are in good hands. We are in his, his eternal hands, where he takes us to eternity, where our reward is. A few final points of application. Becoming a Christian is the beginning of suffering for righteousness' sake. And the world is not our friend. When I say the world now, again, it's the philosophies of the world. It's the world and life view that is at enmity with God and his people. The world hates us because it hates Jesus. Therefore, therefore, let us be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, 
Let's not put ourselves out there in positions of danger, arrogantly, rashly, but wisely. And yet willingly put ourselves in God's grace and protection should the enemy pursue us. Secondly, let us rely upon God's grace and spirit through prayer and trust in Christ's promise. Rely upon the grace of God as you pray, pleading for His grace and mercy to help you to rejoice and be glad and to suffer for the sake of His name. And then lastly, let us be people of prayer who pray for the family of God who are suffering for righteousness' sake. And I think particularly of those who are suffering overseas and in persecuted lands. Does your family pray for the persecuted in foreign lands? Do we as a church pray for those who are persecuted in foreign lands? Let us pray that they may persevere under great affliction and trial. I think I've used this as an illustration in the past. There was a Christian man who was suffering in China. The whole church was suffering. And he requested that the Western Christians pray for them. And he said, I, I want... We want them to pray that the Lord would help us by His grace and Spirit to persevere through this season of suffering. We don't want them to pray that God would remove it or help us to live our lives like other Western nations, but that Christ would deal with us and bless us and give us His grace in the season of suffering that we are in, in China. That's a profound prayer. That is a profound prayer. Now, we don't ever pray, nor should we pray, Oh Lord, send persecution our way that we may suffer and die. It's not our prayer. But it's the prayer that when we do, when we suffer, that we can say rejoice, we rejoice and we are glad that we suffered for his name's sake. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the Beatitudes, for the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Sermon on the Mount. We thank you, O Lord, that you bless the poor in spirit and that the promise is true that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We thank you, O Lord, that you bless those who mourn knowing that you promise comfort. We thank you, O Lord, that you bless the meek, the humble in spirit. That you promise, O Lord, the inheritance of the earth. We thank you, O Lord, that you bless those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will satisfy our deepest longing and desires 
to know Christ and Him crucified, to know His righteousness and to walk according to His righteousness. We give you thanks, O Lord, that you bless those who are merciful because you, O Lord, promise to grant mercy. We thank you, O Lord, that you bless the pure in heart for they shall see God. We thank you, O Lord, that you bless the peacemakers, for they are called sons of God. We thank you, O Lord, that you bless those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. O Lord, we thank you that you bless your people, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who take up all these blessings of God through Christ and faith in his name so that we may live as citizens of your great and glorious kingdom. And in doing so, we are a witness to the world that we belong to Jesus. And we call men, women, and children everywhere to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.